Thank you for praying for us. Um, I, I, we're gonna, we'll show a few little video clips on Sunday, but Willie, just stand up, please. The two, the two, the grandma and then the ma. Stand up, Mother, Mother Hortense. Uh, they were such a blessing to me, and uh, the people just loved them and uh, took them into their hearts, and uh, they called her Mother Hortense and Grandma Willie. And so, and they, they loved them and they were such a help and a blessing to me. You know, it, it, to go into a different country, a different climate, a different environment, different food, different traffic, different everything. Uh, when, when, you're, when you're Willie's age, uh, you don't necessarily want change as much. That's what elderly people tell me. They just want to stay quiet. No, I'm being honest with you. She's an elder. We, we saying that out of reverence. We're saying that out of respect to her, but most people that are older in years, they don't want adventure. True. They don't want change. They don't want to change things. They, I understand that because they've had all their life and they want to just settle. But, but that, that spirit of faith that's on her, yeah. that spirit of Caleb that's on her. And uh, I, I was so impressed with both of them, especially with Willie. She didn't complain, not one time. Neither of them complained one time. They were never late. They never had a, a negative word. There was just faith coming out of their mouth and encouragements and sweetness. And even when not everything went right all the time, it, they were happy and they stayed in joy. And, and that's the kind of people you want traveling with you. Not the one saying, oh my goodness, can you believe this is happening? So... <laughs> Willie, thank you, and Hortense, thank you. And Reverend Taylor, stand up, sir, please. What a blessing. Turn around and greet the people. Just give them a... <laughs> uh, he's a handsome lieutenant, and, uh, and, and he, he was such a blessing. Uh, not one word of complaint, not one word of disagreement, just faith, faith, faith all the way along. Awesome. Hallelujah. Uh, I must say that it was, uh, we'll talk more, a little bit more on Sunday. I don't want Sundays always to be this update day because it, it takes too much away from the flow of the service. So we'll show a few clips, maybe five, 10 minutes maximum, and then we'll move on. But I just want to share just a couple things so that people that want to hear it, if, you know, if they're not here, they can watch tonight's service and kind of get that update because I don't necessarily always like to take the Sunday morning entirely. But uh, it was... Uh, <sighs> Uh, I think it was the hardest trip I've ever done in 32 years, naturally speaking, naturally speaking. Um, and we have paved the way. Uh, the first trip I went was a scouting trip, and we drove all over the country. And it was just basically, uh, I didn't know that God really was into all that, but he's talked to me some time ago when he said, I, I, I still want you to scout places where you go so I can talk to you and so that you can see the land and so you can see the people and get a spiritual climate, you know, understand the spiritual climate. But, you know, we were just, we were preaching a big church and it was, they had good airflow in that church. It wasn't super hot. The other little small churches were, were kind of open, open outdoor, open, the breeze could come through. And we weren't doing a lot of preaching the last trip. We were scouting and meeting people and doing a lot of, you know, talking with pastors and stuff. So this trip was a completely different trip than the last trip. We weren't traveling all over the country. Uh, we basically just went to and from the services and because it took about an hour to an hour and a half in the most horrific traffic you've ever seen um, in that heat, uh, thank God we had air conditioning in the car, just to get to the meeting uh, and then an hour and a half back and then you had two, three hours to rest and then you got back in the car and drove another hour and a half and did the meeting and then come back. So six hours a day in the car in that awful, really crazy traffic. I mean, you don't understand it unless you've been there. Nobody can really fathom it. India is the only place I've been that's worse. Uh, Pastor, happy. Uh, God bless you. Uh, India, India is the only place. Philippines is the second worst. Um, 
the Philippines was worse than this. God bless you. Um, but this was, this is, this is, this is exciting stuff. This is exciting stuff. Uh, yeah. And when they, when they dress in black and they are black and it's at night and there's no streetlights and they're crossing the street and you can't see them until the car is about to run them over. We, we jump a few times, don't we, Willie? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's craziness. Anyway, but, uh, and the, uh, the, the temperatures, I was watching them, uh, and the temperatures outside were about 93, 94 degrees Fahrenheit. But when you walked inside, since there's no windows that let any air through, you walk into a wall of sauna heat with 300 bodies in there with no airflow. And it was literally 120 degrees with 100% humidity inside the church. And so within five minutes, my undershirts are already wet. I haven't even stood up to preach yet. And by the time I'm done, my pants are wet, my socks are wet, my underwear is wet, my undershirt's wet, my top shirt's wet, I'm wet, everybody around me is wet, Taylor's wet. <laughs> it was just one of those kind of things where, you know, we didn't, there wasn't a lot of preparatory work done, maybe that should have been done, but it wasn't for whatever reason. And so, you know, the people there are used to that, but we're not used to that. So I've never experienced ever in my life where I, I toward the end of each sermon, I couldn't breathe. My chest started to close together and I was having shortness of breath. And, you know, like when you, when you can't get your breath and it, it, that can be a little bit weird. So I thought maybe something in my legs would go numb. I've never experienced that before ever in my life. So I thought something's definitely wrong with me. Do I need to go to the hospital? What do I need to do? So I said to Matthew, what's wrong? He goes, oh, no, everything's fine. He said, it took me about three weeks. I was short of breath for three weeks because you, you, when he moved there in January, he said, you're just not used to the heat and the humidity. And it's just your body just can't handle the exertion of preaching with that kind of uh, a pressure on your body. So he said, it took me three weeks until I could preach without being short of breath. So, so we were only there for six days. So that's obviously, but uh, anyway, so I, I don't know what was going on because my legs would go numb and I would have shortness of breath, but I would get back to the hotel. I couldn't feel my legs and, and I couldn't breathe properly. But then on the, one of the nights I said, Lord, what do I, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. And, and he said, well, the, the breath thing is not a problem. He said, you're just not used to this. I'm talking about being led by the spirit. When there's a problem, ask him. Yeah. And the other thing, he said, uh, he said, that's an attack of the enemy against your legs. So he said, lay hands on yourself and release your faith. And so I did. I couldn't, feel, I couldn't feel my legs properly when I went to sleep. But the next morning, I woke up. And I only did that on the, uh, after the last night. I, before, I just kind of ignored it. I thought, I don't know what's going on here. But uh, ignoring something doesn't fix it. You have to, you have to face it. And sometimes you don't like to face things because they're stressing you out a little bit. You don't know if you need the hospital or what you need, right? Because those are strange symptoms. I don't know if it was a nerve problem. I didn't know what it was because I, I, I don't know. I've never experienced that in 32 years ever of preaching. But at that night, we finished that last service and we came back and this pain started shooting down from my head, down my neck uh, and on two sides of my column. I've never experienced pain like that ever in my life. I, I couldn't even move my neck on the way back. I didn't want to tell the team, but I thought I, I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'm not going to be able to preach in the morning. I'm not going to be able to do anything. And I can't feel my legs. And I've got these sharp pains running down my, my back and my neck. And I, and I said, Lord, what's going on? He didn't answer me. So I went and I got in the, cause we're so soaked. Like you don't understand. Like you have to peel your clothes off you. Like they, like they, you could actually wring them out. You could, that's how wet I am. So I, I just get them off. And I get into the cool shower just to get all that sweat off me. And, and, and I can't move my neck. 
and, and I can't feel my legs and I can't breathe properly. And I said, Lord, this is not, this is not the highest and the best. (laughs) I said, what do I do? Uh, And I said, Lord, what do I do? And he said, uh, I said, I need maybe a massage. I I, I need something because I can't move my head. So I called the people downstairs. I said, is the massage place open? They said, no, but we will send, we will call the lady. If you're in that much pain, we'll call her. She doesn't live far from here and she'll come into your room. So I'm about to say, okay. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't you do it. I said, Lord, I can't move my neck. I have to preach in the morning. He says, you don't have a woman by herself come into your room, take your shirt off, go in your underwear and lie on the table for her to massage you. It's one thing if you're in a facility with other people around, but not in a hotel room alone. And then I thought, well, I'll call Taylor. And then I realized that he'd be traumatized if he, if he, if he was called. So I said, no, thank you. I said, that's okay. I'm going to pass on that. Thank you. And I was in that shower and I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I said, I've done my job. I've, I've preached to my last bit of energy I've preached. And the anointing was there the whole time. I said, I don't know what's going on. And the Holy Spirit's so sweet. He whispered to me. He said, I said, I can't get a massage. You won't let me. I said, I, I'll take the Tylenol, but I don't know what's going on. And I'm just kind of complaining. And I heard him whisper and he said, I'll heal you if you ask me. So he said, lay hands on your neck. So I laid hands on my neck and I said, now I believe I received my healing in Jesus name. And then he said, lay hands on your legs. So I laid hands on my legs. I said, I believe I received my healing. I didn't say anything about my voice, which I should have because I was almost hoarse, but I wasn't thinking about that. And there was a couple other parts that were hurting. He said, lay hands on those. And I said, I believe I received. Then he said, go to bed. So I went to bed. I went to bed in agony. But I woke up in the morning. My legs were perfect. My neck was perfect. The other two parts of my body were perfect. And the only thing that wasn't perfect was my voice. And I said, Lord, why didn't you heal my voice? He said, you didn't ask me to. So I had the worst voice I've ever had preaching a sermon on Sunday morning. But everything else was healed. Hallelujah. So it was a very challenging trip physically because I've never been in that much heat, that much pressure. I guess in India, it was pretty bad in the jungles, but I was 21 years old and 115 pounds that you can handle things differently when you're at a different age and a different. So this was, this was a bit challenging, but I must say uh, throughout all of that, you know, some of the food wasn't always, um, we've learned that just because they say French onion soup does not mean they know how to make French onion soup. Um, <laughs> we've learned many things, <laughs> how to roll the dice when you, you roll the dice, when you order the food and hope it, hope it's edible. And this is the best, one of the best hotels in Monrovia. And you know, so you'd expect, right, Taylor, you'd expect something better, but that's TIA. That means this is Africa. This is Africa. You just put up with stuff, right? But the people, that's not, all that stuff is not what's important. What's important is the mission. And the mission was accomplished. Preached seven times in four days. And I said, Lord, please let Taylor minister because I, I need a rest. I, I'm physically finding this challenging. I need a rest. I've got qualified people here that can teach and preach. And the Lord spoke very clearly to me. He said, no. I said, Lord, please let me let them. I, I don't need, I'm not the hog on the pulpit. I need help. I'm tired. I just need some help. And he said, no, for this trip, this is the launch trip. This is the first, this is the baby being born. And he said, the voice from your office must go forth every service. So, but the, and then he was very kind, Greg. He would talk to me very, very specifically, far more than he does even here. And he'd say in this service, preach this. 
And he'd give me the scriptures. On this service, preach this. And he'd give me, every service was so specific and so instructional that I knew that I knew that I knew exactly what to do. And I just had to get it out with all the physical stuff, but I had to just get it out. And that anointing came as soon as I stood up. And God is so faithful. And the first night, it was packed. It was, they couldn't even fit them in the building. There was over 400 people there. They were outside. The things standing outside. They couldn't get in. And, and I thought, well, Lord, this is our great opportunity. We got to hook them now. We got to get him come back. We got to hook him. So what do I preach on? I thought I've got a great, I can really preach a great sermon, get them all shouting and hollering. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, preach about Pastor Matthew. I said, Lord, that's not a very good sermon. That's not going to make everybody happy. I want them to come back. We got a full house. They can't even fit in the building. And this is a morning meeting. And I said, he said, preach about Pastor Matthew, because if they can't submit to him, nothing's going to work anyway. That's true. So I told his story. I told my story. I told the five years of training, the five years of training that is going to continue now leading up till 2028 when there's going to be a, a, a takeoff in that ministry. And I talked about just basically all about our divine connection and about how he came and about his integrity and, uh, and about how that if they're going to be jealous because there's a lot of jealousy in Africa. If they're going to be jealous of each other and of him, it's not going to work. And, and the, the anointing was strong. I don't think they all liked it. But the anointing was strong. And that's a, your job is to do, not just make them like you, but do what needs to be done. And then, of course, it did kind of, we didn't have that size crowd, all the other services. But, but the average was, I don't know, between 250 and 300 people for all the services. And, uh, and the vast majority of those were senior pastors. And so, you know, and, and their wives and stuff. And so the next morning, that was a morning service. And then that evening, he said, preach on faith. And I could tell... You guys could tell by the faces of some of the ministers there, they had never heard it in their life. Oh, wow. They had never heard faith in their life. And so it was like pouring liquid, uh, liquid life water into a starving, you know, somebody that's just come out of a desert and they're desperate for water. So they were so receptive and so open. And I could tell by their gasps and by their responses that, you know, they had never heard some of those statements before. And it was going in. And revelation knowledge went in about what it means to live by faith, the way Dad Hagen has taught us. And that's the message that we're supposed to bring. The next morning was on how to be led by the Holy Spirit and how to know your future and how to pray in tongues more than screaming because they love to scream. The more emotional and the more screaming you do, the more spiritual they think they are. So my job is to destroy that sacred cow. And they didn't like it. But I whipped that cow to death. And I rebuked some of them publicly and openly. I said, you're a bunch of carnal buckets and you can't act this way and you're grieving the Holy Ghost. And this is how you flow with the Holy Spirit. And this is how you pray. But they got it. I, I believe that they, the ones that were open hearted, they got it. And then that night, Taylor shared a few minutes. And then I heard the Lord say, preach on unity. Preach on unity because I don't know. I didn't realize that there was so much. You know, Pastor Matthew told me, which shocked me because he didn't tell me this before. Yeah. Pastor Matthew doesn't always tell me everything the way I would necessarily like him to. But I guess he's got so much on his plate and so much on his mind. He probably doesn't always remember. But if you're watching Pastor Matthew, talk to me more. Um, <laughs> but he said to me, he said, on this is now the fourth service, right? This is Friday night. And he said, uh, he said Pastor Craig, on the way there, I had no idea what to preach. God hadn't said anything yet. But I knew Taylor was going to share a few minutes, but I didn't know anything other than that. And he said, uh, he said, you don't understand. He said, like, what we're going through, what we're experiencing is completely supernatural. And I said, what are you talking about? 
We're in a conference. Yeah, I know. I feel the anointing. God's moving. But what's so supernatural about that? He said, you don't understand. He said, in, in this country and other parts of Africa too, but especially here, he said, the ministers don't like each other. Ministers in the same denomination don't like each other. Ministers of different denominations definitely don't like each other. And he said, they will not come together for conferences. And he said, people come from the United States and they pour in tens of thousands of dollars of advertising, of renting fancy halls, putting it on the radio, putting it on television, having big names come in. And he said, they put a lot of money in. And he said, there might be 10 or 20 pastors that show up. Because they don't like working together. They don't want to be in the same room as each other because they are filled with competition and jealousy. And he said, you don't understand what we're going through right now. He said, this is like, this is a miracle. He said, for us to have this many pastors that are, that are continuing to come together, not just the first service, but continuing to come together and actually sit there with, in the same church in the same building and, and worship together and listen to you and, and are considering joining Sons of Africa. He said, like, this is unheard of. That's why the head of the Assemblies of God called him before I got there and said, who are these sons? What is the Sons of Africa? And he said, well, we haven't started it. We're starting it shortly. And he said, but I've, I, everywhere I turn, I've got people talking to me about Sons of Africa, Sons of Africa, Sons of Africa. He said, who are you people? And how, wh- how do you get them together like that? They don't, they don't understand it. I'm not saying I understand it, but I'm just saying God is in it. And so we, I just, so as he was talking, I heard, I heard the Holy Ghost say, you preach on unity tonight. So I got strong on them about when your brother hurts you, you don't go talk to everybody about it. You fix it together and about what walking in love is and what, and what your faith works by love. And we talked about faith, but if you don't have love, it doesn't work anyway. And about unity and about the unity brings the anointing, Psalm 133. And we just hammered that hard. But the people were getting it. I could tell the ministers were getting it because they have this, you know what it is? The Lord showed me later, not in that service. He said, this is a demonic issue, which you wouldn't think it is. But he said, this is the demonic issue. He said, tribal warfare that has been going on here for hundreds of years. That's an atmospheric thing in the spiritual realm. There's demons in that spiritual realm that cause tribes to hate other tribes and want to kill each other in the natural. He said, now it's become more refined, but you know, they're not killing each other, but it's still that same root that root spirit of hatred for each other. Now it's not the tribes. Now it's the different denominations and, and the different schisms within the body of Christ. And they really don't like each other. So that was like a miracle. What happened to have all these pastors together in that area? Pastor Matthew kept saying, you don't understand. This is a miracle. This is an absolute miracle. So praise God. I mean, I didn't know that going in. I just thought they have many conferences and it's a conference, a conference, a conference, and everybody goes to everything. And I realized that what we did was very unique and very rare. Praise God. And so we preached strong on unity. And then as I was ending the service, he said, now tomorrow deal with witchcraft. So I said, I've been waiting for you to ask me that, Lord Jesus. Now I get to have some fun. I like teaching on the other stuff, but now I get to have fun. Now I'm in my, this is what I like. Bring me the devils. This is my, I enjoy, and I really do, I enjoy that. And so I started preaching on that and about our dominion. And then I heard the Holy Ghost in the service say to me, some of the ministers in this room are dabbling in witchcraft and the occult. Call them out. So I start, I said, that can't be, Lord. There's no way that that can be. These are ministers. These are pastors. That can't be right. I heard him say, you, you address it. 
So I said, some of you here, you're dabbling. That means, I don't know if they know what dabbling means. So I said, that means you're touching. You're, you're, you're not into it fully, but you're touching it. And you're playing games with the occult and witchcraft. And I said, now you better quit that or judgment's going to fall on you. See, under that apostle's office, it's a different flow. It's a different flow. We found out that somebody had been lying about me and about Pastor Matthew before I got there. And they were telling all the pastors that I had sent $50,000 to Matthew for the sons of Africa and that he stole it and wouldn't give it to people. And people were starting to call him a thief before the conference even started. So Pastor Matthew went to that minister and said, Brother, where did you get this from? I heard Pastor Craig say it from his own mouth in his church two months ago. So he said, show me the video. So they showed me the video. I know what video it was because I remember saying, but I didn't say that. I said to the congregation, do you remember that in 2020, we raised about $50,000 over two offerings for the starving people in Africa, and we sent them rice and beans and oil and all that stuff. And I said, do you remember that? And the people said, yes. And I said, well, God's going to, we need to help. And God's, once we've done the SAP and in time, we're not putting pressure on people now, but we need to believe God to help them build a building and get a pickup truck and all that kind of stuff. And I said, we're going to believe God for more money. He took that little clip, didn't, didn't take the rest of what I said, just took one part of it without the explanation attached to it and started saying to people, see, he sent him 50,000 and he stole it. So Pastor Matthew, I'm just, I'm letting you know kind of what happens. That's why you pray. You don't even realize what you're praying for, but when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're praying for these situations without even knowing what you're praying for. So when we, when we get there, Pastor Matthew tells me, I don't want to say too much because I don't know who's watching, but he said, uh, he said uh, that somebody, I won't, just somebody, had gone to a witch doctor, a voodoo doctor, and had basically said, we need to curse Pastor Matthew. This is a pastor. We need to curse him because he's a thief. This other man said he's a thief. And so, uh, you know, so what they do that you, I don't want to get too into it, but what they do, they have sometimes where they'll just speak it over you. But on the heavier curses, you have to physically touch the person. You have to make a physical touch on them. You have to touch their body somewhere for that curse to be transferred to them. So God warned Pastor Matthew, the first person that approaches you on such and such a day, don't shake their hand. And this minister walked in that he knows and trusts and loves. And God said, don't, don't shake his hand because he has a curse in his hand from the witch doctor. So he, he, I said, what did you do? He said, well, you know, sometimes, you know, if we're busy, he said, I made sure I was holding things in my hand so that, and I just said, hey, brother, and I gave him an elbow but I didn't touch a thing. Well, that, well, that curse has to go somewhere. And so when if it doesn't get to the designated individual, it comes back onto the person that holds it. And that curse fell upon that pastor and he had a stroke. He was in the hospital, paralyzed and can't speak because the curse was to put a stroke on Pastor Matthew before the conference started so that the conference wouldn't happen. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's crazy. So... That guy's in the hospital, can't speak, totally paralyzed. That curse of the witch doctor came on him. That's called judgment. Uh, he opened the door. So anyway, so I'm sitting there and, 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 I, and I didn't really address it too much because I didn't know who knew everything there and I didn't want to bring despair, but I just said, you, 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 better, you, better, watch, you better not touch that witch doctor occult stuff. You better not touch it. 
We have dominion over the devil. And the Lord said, tell him the story. And I tell him that story. Tell him about Daisy Osborne and the snake. And I tell him that one. Tell him about the man with Kenneth Copeland who, who had the witch approach him on the island. And I told that one. Tell him about the Indian in India when they, when they were cursing you and about the spirit of Elijah that came on you to mock them. And he kept saying, tell him stories. And then I read some scriptures. But it was, it was the Holy Ghost was dealing with them. Then he said, tell him to repent for touching witchcraft because you can't have victory over it if you touch it. And so we did that. And then I get in the card to Pastor Matthew and I said, Pastor Matthew, does that even make sense to you? Because I know I heard God say it, but I don't understand how that could not be possible. My mind, I cannot understand. How could a pastor go to a witch doctor? How, how is that possible? They're sitting in the service with me and they're saying amen. And he said, oh, Pastor Craig, he said that happens more often than you think. He said, in Nigeria, it happens a lot, a lot, a lot. But he said, here, it happens as well. And I said, what do they do? What do they do that for? He says, well, they go for two main reasons. Number one is they go and they'll pay the witch doctor to get healing power. And then they'll go and pray for people that are sick and they get healed under demonic power and their ministry starts to grow. And they say it's the anointing, but it's witchcraft power. And then he said, the second reason is that they will go and they'll pay the witch doctor and they'll put spells out on people and uh, then they'll start coming to their church and their church will start growing. I said, Lord, how does that work? How would, why would the devil want somebody to come to church? He put a spell on somebody to come to church. Then I realized, well, if the pastor is going to a witch doctor, uh, he's obviously not teaching anything in his church worth, worth getting and the devil don't mind you going to that kind of church. So Pastor Matthew said, he said, well, you know, the minister that cursed me went to the voodoo witch doctor and, and we all trusted him. He said, there's people in that room tonight, Pastor Craig, that are going to witch doctors. He said, because they want power and they want growth and they want money and they know that spells can produce that. And so they do that. And he said, so that was right on. The Holy Ghost was right on dealing, rooting out that problem. Amen. Hallelujah. See, that's why we're there to be led by the Spirit and to do things by the Spirit because I would have never thought that in a million years, but God knows what's going on behind the scenes in these people's lives. Anyway, and that was the fifth, and the last service, uh, I knew very clearly, he said, talk about the candlestick being set because he said, in the last service, everything's going to happen. He said, I'm setting the candlestick. He said, you're planting the flag. And he said, lay hands on everybody that wants to become a son of Africa ministers that want to come under our organization and uh matter was hot but i was so tired but anyway i preached i preached till i had nothing left praise god and then i said let we lay hands on people and we got some video of it but we just laid hands on i don't know how many people my failure was i did not say senior pastors only i'd been saying that all the way along the sermon but people don't always listen and they want to touch and a blessing so i saw that not everybody there was a pastor because some of them were too young to be pastors but that's okay i couldn't stop it then the other ones get hurt that while well, they get a blessing and I get sent back to my seat. So once you start, you're going to have to keep going. So that was pretty, pretty tiring. Uh, I don't think I've ever been that tired ever uh, trying to minister like that under that kind of a strong anointing, but with that kind of uh, stress on my body, that was very, very hard. But the, the anointing was there. We laid hands on all of them and they're giving me the final count on Friday because I said, now every pastor, senior pastor only, not associate pastor, senior pastor only that came up that I laid hands on and that you are joining Sons of Africa. You're part of our organization. Go back and put your name. 
And so they went back and gave their name. So now they're verifying the list this week. They're calling all those pastors to verify exactly to make sure. Because some of the pastors, Pastor Matthew doesn't know. These are pastors that are inviting other pastors from their communities because they heard about us. But Pastor Matthew doesn't know them directly. So he has to call and verify all of that. So he's going to give me the final number of how many sons of Africa we have on Friday. But there was at least, I would say, at least 100, if not more. There was at least 100. I probably laid hands on 200 people that night and blessed them and anointed them, every one of them individually with oil. But I don't, know, I don't think all of them were, were under that qualification. But we have a very good start. Hallelujah. These are pastors that have said, we want this flow. We want, and they were very sweet. They gave us the African outfit. You know, they gave all of our team an African outfit. I have to lose 10 pounds before it fits. But anyway, uh, Taylor's fits wonderful. Maybe you come on Sunday like that. I don't know. But they gave us their, and the man, Pastor Sussus was so sweet. He said, you know, we've heard of T.D. Jakes and we've heard of all these men and we've, we've longed to have these great men of power come to our country and bless us. And he said, but I speak on behalf of the pastors because they had a whole leadership team there too. And, uh, and they were all senior pastors of their own churches. And he said, uh, he said but now we realize that you are our T.D. Jakes. He said, so they're so sweet. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not anything like that at all. Like I'm, I'm nobody compared to people like him. But he said, God has sent you to us. And you're our father. And, and we want to learn what you're teaching us. And we want, to become, we want to become sons of Africa and we want to expel darkness and we want to fulfill the plan of God in our nation. And we receive you as our father and as our pastor. It was very touching, a very, very precious moment. And, and, and then of course, that, that was in the morning, that night we prayed over all of them. So we planted that flag, Taylor. We, 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 the candlestick was set and the anointing was there and God has, a, that's the official launch was Saturday night of that ministry. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, I'm going through all the physical stuff. But I guess this, this, you know, when you're in the will of God, there's many adversaries. There's lots of things that try to work against you. That next morning, only thing that wasn't healed was my throat. But, so I couldn't really preach much, but we got to their building. And, uh, you know, the money that we have, uh, you know, we've sent money in advance. We haven't even taken offerings for it. We borrowed money. We'll take an offering maybe later in the year because there's rain and they have to have a roof. But they have done such a wonderful job. In the, in the very, very short period of time. Remember, he got in that big accident. He was in the hospital. You know, there's a lot of delays, but, but they have la- almost laid all the cement on the floor. The roof is all up, just except over the platform, it's not up. And, and it looked, I mean, for a, for a very simple building, it was clean and it was nice and the breeze. And I looked at him at one point and I said, my God, why didn't we do this conference here? Because the breeze was coming through and it, it, just, it just changed the whole dynamic. Instead of that hideous, anyway, praise God. I don't want to say that because I, I appreciate Pastor Philip. Thank you for letting us use your building. I really appreciate it. It's just, you need to open the windows, brother. My God. Because it's hard. For, for us, it's hard. We're not used to that kind of heat. But, but I, it, they just, and they rented a sound system for that day and they bought a pulpit and he, out of his own money, paid 1,200 US dollars. He doesn't have much. But he bought chairs out of his own money so people could sit. Uh, I just thought we were all going to sit on the floor because in Africa, that's what you do sometimes. But we all had nice chairs to sit in, a pulpit, a sound system that he rented just for that, just for that week. And Taylor, you know, they didn't have a music stand. They got a pulpit, but no music stand. So Hortense became the human music stand and she held the microphone. And of course she keeps moving the mic and I'm looking at Taylor and I'm thinking he's going to, he's going to knock her out right now. He is going to sock her. And he, cause I could tell he was getting more and more annoyed. It's like, just let, just hold it still so he can move around you. But every time he moved, she moved. So she's doing this and Taylor's like, and he's trying to sing. 
my gosh. But you did a great job, Mother Hortense. And the presence of God came. And God gave me a sermon I've never preached on ever in my life in that context about Jesus multiplying the, f- the fishes for the 5,000. And the Lord said, days of multiplication are ahead. And just before I got up, he, Pastor Matthew said, we're going to, the multiplication is about to happen in this place. So I said, well, you've just prophesied a brother. And then I preached all about multiplication and what that means and what God's going to do. And it was precious. And then I said, now, and they had an excellent piano player there. And I, I don't know who he was or where he was from. They had a drummer, a guitarist. I mean, a little soundboard with a man. In the, I mean, they had, I don't know who he rented these people. I don't know who these people are. But there was about 100, over 100 people, wasn't there? About 100, 120 people there on the first service. And I knew there were visitors. But, uh, but I said, now, everybody who, like it was full. I think all the chairs were filled. And, 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 and I said, now everybody who, this is your home church. God has spoken to you to receive him as your pastor. And you're a, you're a member of Promise of Life Church Liberia. And this is our launch service, but you're committing to this work and to the vision of this work. I said, come up here. And 50 people came up. 50 people came up. And I laid hands on all of them, including the piano player and the drummer. And some of the singers. So I said, Pastor Matthew, you don't understand. So many churches start, they don't have anything. I said, and you've got an amazing pianist, and you've got a, a guitar player, and you've got a sound man, and you've got a, wor- a, a lady that can sing. I said, you're so blessed, brother. And you've got a, a bill. Now, they can extend it. They, they, can, they can fit 1,000 people if they extend it in that building. Right now, it, can, it will probably seat about 400, four to five. If they pack it out, they'd have to really pack it out. Uh, but if they extend it out... Outside, like if they make it wider and longer, they can fit up to a thousand people. The engineer already laid it out for them and said, this is phase one, but if you need more, we'll add more and you can go up to 700 and then we'll do phase three and then you can go up to a thousand. And, and, and I met the people that own the property who is the, 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 the daughter of the previous president. She was the president of the country, Ruth Perry. Uh, during the, the civil war in the 90s, she negotiated peace with 14 warring, uh, basically murderers. They're, they're warlords that kill everybody. And she was the one that negotiated peace with them and brought peace to the country. Country. And so she owns that land and her grandson and her daughter live on that land. And I met them and blessed them. And basically they've told Matthew, you have it free of charge for as many years as you want. Don't pay us a dime. Uh, at first it was two years and then she changed it to four years and then she changed it to six years. And then she said, you know what? Just have it as long as you need it for. I just, I just, she's planted five churches. She's a minister. She lives in Rhode Island now. She's retired, but she lives in Rhode Island. She said, I know God is with you. And she said, I was thinking of starting a church on that property for myself, the sixth church. And she said, God said, don't do it. I'm sending somebody. And so she said, I know God has sent you. And I want to give my land for you to use as long as you want, free of charge. And so all they're doing is paying for the building materials and their meeting. And, and I'm telling you, it's just, so we got 50 people to start in that church from the first day. And at least 100 pastors will get the final count later that signed up and that received impartation. And then we just whew, headed home. Praise God. And, the, and, and, and I, I didn't tell him to get two vehicles. Last time he got one vehicle, it was enough. This time the Lord prompted him to get two vehicles. Now he knows better than to tell me because I would have said no because I'm paying for the vehicles. And they're a ripoff. They're not like here. You're paying a lot of money and they're garbage vehicles, right, Taylor? But he got two instead. And thank God he did because the battery died in one of them and our vehicle on the way, we would have missed a service. And then on the way to the airport, we're desperate to come home. Then the, the tire blows out in the middle of nowhere. 
Now, I'm giving you little nuggets about being led by the Spirit because we're still technically on this, okay? So as we're driving to the airport, I heard the Holy Ghost in my heart say, release your angels. I said, I'll get to that, I'll get to that. Because we were talking about something important. I heard him a second time, release your angels. I said, Lord, I'm going to get to that. I'm just going to finish this with Pastor Matthew right now. Because we were talking about something. Then as soon as we finished talking, under my breath, I opened my mouth and I said, now angels, I release you. And as I said, I release you, I heard the tire pop. And I thought, oh no, (laughs) we're going to miss our flight. So we get out. I mean, the tire's not just flat. I've never seen a tire look like that before. I've never, I don't even know what, how to describe it. It doesn't look like your tire. It's just, the whole thing is shredded. I just, I said, what could have done this? He said, the rocks do that. I said, the rocks do that? So thank God we had the second vehicle that was behind us. And so we just waited a little while. They came, we transferred all the luggage. You jump in the other vehicle and we go, we made it there. But I'm saying the Holy Ghost knew that was going to happen. And he prompted me, release your angel. Now you say, well, how come the Lord doesn't protect you? Because you need, you have the authority in the earth. You have to release your authority with the blood and with the angels. You have to say it. Now, sometimes if there's certain other situations with praying, other people praying, God can do things for you without you doing it. But in that situation, he spoke to me and I was distracted and busy. Are you listening? And so don't, when he prompts you to do something, do it quick. Just stop whatever you're doing. Just pause whatever you're doing and do it quick. Because sometimes there's a time limit on his instruction. Thank God in that situation, we were fine. We made it. Everything was good. But uh, another thing I said, and I, I just, I'm talking about just how the Holy Spirit leads. These are little nuggets, but I think they're, they're bearing, they're bare to be said. But I said, Lord, I said, Father, this, unlike Russia, which I don't ever have to go back to if I don't want to. I said, unlike Brazil, which I don't ever have to go back to if I don't want to. I said, I said, there's countries that I visit, but I don't have to go. I'm not, I don't have a work there. I said, but Africa, I have a work here. I said, Lord, whether I want to or not, I have to come back here every year. And this is just the beginning. And I can see the hunger of these people. And I said, and I know because he spoke to me on the trip. He said, next year, I want you to invite three pastors from the U.S. to come with you. And I want all four of you to do the conference. You don't have to be the only voice from this now forward. But at this conference, you had to be the only voice. He said, bring help. I said, Lord, there's no way that we can handle this kind of, we can't do this. It's too much physically, heat wise. It's just too much. I said, I can't have them come. And I said, what about other people from the congregation? Like Willie and Greg and other ministers that maybe want to go and teach over there. You can just go teach every single night, brother, for a year and never repeat yourself twice. They're so hungry and they know, they know nothing. I said, Lord, we got to find another place to meet because the, the, the our, our church is fine even with the wind going through but if it's a hot day under that tin roof it's still hot hot the wind just makes it not unbearable but it's very hot and I said we can't go to these churches that we went to this time because that's craziness we need another facility and I heard him prompt me he said ask Pastor Matthew so I said Pastor Matthew we need another facility and he says oh yeah I'll find you one and then he come back the next day and he goes there's a government building and he drove us by it it was closed but we it's as big building fancy new building fancy building uh, and 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 he said this is where all the UN train their employees and this is where all the NGOs do their training and he said and you can rent an air conditioned room that seats 500 people for a reasonable amount per day and I heard the Holy Ghost say that's that's what you do and then I, so the hotel's okay it's like a bad Hampton Inn. Okay? It's like a bad Hampton Inn. 
its food is like a really, really bad Hampton Inn. But the beds, the beds were comfortable. The air conditioning worked. But the, the hotel itself is not even a Hampton Inn quality, in my opinion. Because I stay at Hampton Inn all the time when I travel. So it's a bad Hampton Inn. So I said, Lord, this is okay. I said, but there's got to be somewhere better. Matthew's told me that this is the only hotel here in the whole city. And I heard, see, you got to listen. When you're talking about a problem, listen. And I heard him promise that, ask him again. I said, why would I ask him again? I've asked him 19 times over the last number of years. He's always told me that this is the best hotel. Ask him again. So I said, Pastor Matthew, is there a better hotel than this hotel in the city? And he goes, yeah, yeah, there's one. (laughs) And I said, Pastor Matthew, I've always asked you, where's the best hotel? And you've always, he says, no, no, you've always asked for this hotel. I said, no, I've asked for the best hotel and you've told me it was this hotel. He goes, well, I didn't understand you, dad. (sighs) Okay, maybe I need to speak more clearly. Maybe I need to slow down because his heart's right. Maybe he, you know, there's language issues, barriers, other countries, other cultures. So I said, where is a better hotel than the Bad Hampton Inn? And he says, well, on the airport, we'll take you there. I said, we'll go there right now. We're going. Because I heard the Holy Ghost say, ask him. And I didn't think the answer would be yes. And he said, yes. So the Lord already knows that he was going to say yes. Although I don't know. I don't have a car. I can't go research it. You don't understand how crazy it is there and how dangerous it is there. You can't just go out with my color skin. You can't go out and do stuff. Like, they'll target you. So you, you, you just don't do stupid things like that unless you want a problem. And so it's Wild West. There is no law enforcement. There is no anything. It is the Wild West. And so you have to be very careful when you're there and you have to go with, you know, people, you have to know what you're doing. And so he said, I said, just take me to this place. So on the way to the airport, we stop. It's called the Mamba Point Hotel. And, and, I, and I get out and the lobby wasn't too anything to talk home, write home about. But I, I said, just show me one of your suites because we want to bring some pastors from the United States and different things. And they go and they open the room and the room was virtually the same price, but at least three times, in my opinion, at least have its own tub, jacuzzi tub, at least, at least three times better. And then they take me to the restaurant. I'm looking at the menu and that's at least three times better. Same prices. And then they say, we have a workout gym. I said, well, I don't really need one. But anyway, I don't know why he offered to show me like, like, what are you trying to say, brother? So. He says, well, maybe you'd like the workout gym. I said, maybe I would. Why don't you just shut up about it and show me where it is? So he takes me. They have a beautiful, big workout gym. And then, and then we walk past and I go, what's in there? And he goes, oh, that's our pool. Oh, Jesus. That's the only hotel in the whole country that has a pool. And we walk out and it's this big, beautiful, look, look, looks like a Sandals Resort pool with all the European people, you know, sitting around it. And, uh, and, and, then, and, then he, and, then I, and then he says, now look out the window, look out the window. And right in front of the hotel, I mean 20 feet in front of the hotel, is the beach Stop. and the waves. Oh. And I punched Matthew. <laughs> and Matthew had never been there. He didn't even know how nice it was. And he looked at me and he goes, I have a good feeling about this. I said, yeah, I have a good feeling too. And you're not going to have a good feeling in about four seconds. How could you do this to me, son? You've put me in the bad Hampton and heaven is here. And I've been in hell. Oh, my God. So 
but jokes aside, honestly, the, my wife said something on the phone to me from the, uh, when I was in the airport and I was telling her all this and she said something that really touched my heart and it's very true. She said, she said honey, she said, you and your team paid the price yeah. to pave the way. Yeah. Yeah. You've paved the way. You found out what doesn't work and you found out what does work. And God has led you to the right hotel. He's led you to the right rental facilities for the next time. He's given you a good, strong core group of pastors. And now in the future, when we go back, anybody that goes back, anybody, whether with me or aside from me to go and minister to the people that we have, we have laid the track and you can go and have a much more pleasant experience than we did and have a safe experience. And an hour and a half, one way to the, to the meeting, right? Every time, hour and a half, one way. Okay, you know how far this new hotel is from where the government meeting rooms are? 19 minutes by car. So I just felt the Holy Spirit smiling. No, I just felt, because you don't know how hard that is to go through that traffic all the time. It's just tiring. It's exhausting. And you can't really close your eyes because you're afraid. Like, I don't know, Taylor, could you close your eyes? I'm trying to close my eyes, but I keep opening them because somebody's climbing on the car or the other car is about to kick, hit us or the people. I just, you just, you can't rest on the road. It's so chaotic. But I felt the Holy Spirit just smile, just so sweet and kind and said, I, I, I've taken care of all yeah, the details yeah, for you. Right. Now, when you come back, you don't have to dread anything. When you come back, you just focus on feeding the people and not worry about all the physical things that go wrong. Because the physical things make a big difference. The trips succeeded in the purpose, but it was very difficult. We want trips that are not difficult and also succeed in the purpose. But the Holy Spirit, He is right there all the time. He's right there. If I could just say something to all of you from my heart, and I know so many of you had said to me, uh, we've missed you, Pastor Greg. And I, that, that still is a shock to me because I really don't think I'm nice enough to be missed. But, but my wife said, no, the people really do love you, and I really do love you back. And I want to thank you for your prayers. Because the first time I got there in 19, I walked into the hotel room and there was hundreds of demons. I mean, hundreds of them. It was like, a, it, was like it looked like a beehive. And I walked in and, I, and, and, and they were swirling in that hotel room. They knew what I was there to do. And nobody was at home praying. And I remember, I, and the Lord spoke to me and I said, my God, because it was so intimidating and it was so much pressure on my mind. They bring an atmosphere, demons do. They bring fear, they bring pressure, they bring depression, they bring a lot of different hopelessness. I felt so hopeless standing in that hotel room. Like I almost didn't want to live. It was totally demonic. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, there is no prayer being made at home. And then he said, call Lorraine right now and tell people to start praying. And it was at night. It was about almost midnight by the time I got to the hotel room. I was alone on my first trip. Cola went with me, but I was alone, you know, other than him. And he went at a different time to me. So I had traveled there alone. And so I called Lorraine. Do you remember that, Lorraine? And you started calling people right away. And, I, and I, then the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And he said, now, you can deal with this with your authority. But he said, you'll have to pray all night. That's how much pressure was arrayed against us. He said, you can deal with this, me, privately, as an individual. He said, because your authority works. But the force arrayed against you is so great, you're going to have to pray all night long to break this. He said, the problem with that is you have to preach tomorrow. This Lord is very practical. And he said, and you're going to be too tired. So he said, I want you to go to sleep. And he said, the people at home are going to take care of this for you. And I must be honest with you, I kind of, not doubted it, but I thought, I don't even know who's praying at home. 
Do they even know what they're doing? Do they even know how to get in the spirit? Are they going to quit after five minutes? Who do I even know who Lorraine's going to ask? And can they handle this? Because this is severe pressure. And I heard him say, go to sleep. And I went to sleep, Lorraine. I'm telling you, it was like, it was like you were in a haunted house. It was like the power of the devil was in that room with me. And I had to go to sleep by faith. I had to close my eyes and say, I applied the blood of Jesus over me. You cannot touch me. I'm not going to deal with you because I've got people at home that are going to deal with you. And I'm going to go to sleep so I have strength tomorrow to preach. And I had to go to sleep by faith because in that atmosphere, it's hard to sleep. But I fell into a deep sleep. And when I opened my eyes, it was gone. I'm telling you, I don't know who you had praying, Lorraine, but I'm telling you, you have no idea how much praying, just simple praying in the Holy Ghost, as well as, of course, using your authority, but praying and getting in the Spirit by praying in the Holy Ghost, even thousands of miles away in a different country, you have absolutely no idea how much you are accomplishing and the help that you are bringing to people on the front lines. And I want to remind you of that, and I want to thank you for that, because from that trip, I realized, my God, this is a very tangible this is the help that people can bring they don't understand because they're not in my shoes they're not facing what I'm facing the devil's not in their room the devil's in my room and he was there to intimidate me he was there because he knew I wasn't even starting the work I was just scoping the land and he wanted to let me know at the very first moment I am the boss and you will not be you will not come here it's witchcraft a lot of that is witchcraft because in the spirit they know things so you have no idea how much your prayers matter. But this time, Taylor, it was not like that at all. Now we're actually there to plant a flag and to start a work, you know, like to shoot the gun and, every, you know, when you're going, bang, and everybody starts running. This is the start of something. This is the birth of the baby. This is a big deal spiritually. This is the open door, and there are many adversaries. And I thought, Lord, if it was that bad on a scouting trip, I, have, I don't even want to tell the team what I'm expecting it to be on the launching trip. And I kind of walked into that hotel room without telling you, Taylor. I walked in kind of a little bit, just kind of just testing a little bit because I'm expecting to have the same thing happen. And I walk in that room and it's just so clear. It's so clear. Everything spiritually is so clear. And I looked and I said, Father, I said, they're praying, aren't they? And he said, people are praying for you. And I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and I don't know how to explain it. It's hard to explain spiritual things in English, but I felt like, like hands were underneath my heart holding them up. I don't know how to explain that, but I, I got out of my bed that first morning and I just felt so light like air, like I could walk on air. And I even commented on the way to the bathroom. I said, what is this? And he said, that is the prayers of the saints. You have no idea how valuable your prayers are to those missionaries on the front line and to those ministers on the front line. And even taking 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes and praying until you get in the spirit and Lord, just cover. Lord, I don't even know what he needs. I don't know what they need, but I just covered them. I covered them. And then if something comes up, you pray that out. You have no idea the value of that for the people that are there in terms of protection. In turn, there's lots of little things go wrong here and there, but overall, nothing major happened. I know there's a lot of witchcraft. I know they know we're there. I know that people were stirred up before we got there. Matthew was almost killed before we got there, but we're there and nothing happened. We were completely safe. We were like encapsulated. I don't know how to describe it. We were encapsulated, brother. And I don't know how to thank you for your prayers. 
I really appreciate it. When I go to these places, you're staying home with the stuff. I'm going down to the battle, like David said. And he says, those that stay back will receive the same reward yes, that's right. as those that go and fight. And you better believe that. And you better claim that because you get this. If you prayed for us, not if you didn't. If you're busy, 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 you don't get any of it. You don't get any reward. You do as a congregation member because your financial seed has helped me go. But in terms of staying back with the stuff, there's a supply to bring when you're with the stuff. And that is called prayer. And if you prayed for us in any capacity while we were gone, everything that we have got for, as a reward from God for going, you get to share in that same reward. When you get to heaven, you're going to get rewards for this trip because you prayed. And I want to thank you for that. You have no idea how much your prayer is valuable when we're there on the front line. And we have, long, we have started something. I've got to end. Sweet Jesus, where did the time go? I, I, we have started something. I'm telling you, Greg, I'm telling you. Brother, we have started something. Uh, we have started something magnificent in that land. And these people are hungry. And they are precious. And their hearts are so pure. And they want to love each other. A lot of it was love each other. Get into unity. Don't compete. Don't be jealous. Don't be envious. Help each other. And I knew that this is breaking new ground because in the African mindset, they don't think that way. They don't trust each other. Right? And the Holy Ghost was amazing because at one point, he, I came, he was just helping me all the way through the messages. Like very clear, very distinct. He said, pull up that one and, and hold his hand to your hand. I didn't even, and I said, stand here. I didn't even really know what I was going to say. And he says, now tell them that your skin color is a difference, but your blood is the same. So I said, now, brother, do you see that we're different? And he said, yes. And I said, now, all of you know that I'm from South Africa. So you might be thinking white racist apartheid man from South Africa. That's what they think. And I said, but our blood is the same, but our paint on our houses are a different shade. I said, why would God want all the paint to be the same color? But I could see I'm looking and their eyes are going, like their eyes are opening, Jenny, because they still see white men. They still see me as a white man. And then when they hear I'm from South Africa, now they see me as a potential racist white man. And that the devil will work again. He'll try to cause them to stumble over that. So little things, we have to deal with those little things about prophesying and not controlling people through prophecy. They had no idea about that. How much damage has been done? and manipulation by people prophesying to one another to try to get them to do what they want them to do and calling it thus saith the Lord. So the Lord said to deal with that nonsense because that's, that's going to hurt them. There was so many things that we laid a foundation for, Jenny. And we walked out of there tired, yes, maybe a little bit not enjoying the food as much and the heat and the traffic and the, everything is so different to where we are here. But we laid a foundation and we planted a flag, two flags, one for Sons of Africa and one for Promise of Life Liberia. We have started both ministries. They both started with strength. They both started with good numbers and good people. And I, and I got on that plane flying home and I said, Lord, we truly accomplished the mission. We have accomplished the mission. And you've even laid the track so that the next time we go back, we have a much easier time naturally than we have now. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I want to thank you. I didn't expect to take the whole service, service about this, but I wanted to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for your support. We, we, we will talk about it later after Pastor Nancy's gone and into the fall when things are calm a bit. We, we're going to believe God for, for an offering for, to help them with their building because he still has not finished it. He needs to put a toilet in. He needs to finish the stage, put more tin on the roof and different things. But, but it's a very good start. 
and the flag has been planted. You know, there were people so angry that we were coming. He said, this has never happened ever before in Liberia. The night before I got there, hooligans were hired by, I don't know, he doesn't know who hired them. And they came and they ripped the banners. They had put Promise of Life with my picture and Jenny's picture. And they, some people got up there and started cutting the banners and ripping them up, ripping them to shreds. They had to go back to printer and print another one. Uh, because people were aware we were coming and because of the lies told by this other pastor, they thought Matthew was a thief. And so they were kind of starting to step, stand up against what we were doing. But the Holy Ghost plowed the road. Your prayers plowed the road, honey. Your prayers plowed the road. And uh, you, some of you came on Friday night to pray. And I'm telling you, you plowed the road for us. And it has begun. Amen. The Africa work under the John G. Lake mantle has begun. Amen. Hallelujah. And I had them all repeat that phrase, right, Taylor? And they said it with pretty, uh, pretty aggressive, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is it? A vigorous, smashing, glorious, ferocious, Holy Ghost campaign against the devil and his power. And I had them repeat it over and over and over again. And, uh, and there, that anointing has come. That mantle has come to do this Holy Ghost campaign. And it is on those pastors to do it. And some of them drove 120 kilometers for them, that probably takes four hours because the roads are so bad. And they were getting in their little, their little bus on the last night to drive that all the way back there. They came at their own expense. They paid for their own hotel. We paid for their food, but they paid for their own hotel and gas and everything. It's called Kakata, and they were going all the way back there. And, and I'm driving, and I'm, I put my hand out of the window, and they're just, just, you just want to cry. They just, they come and they kneel down on the ground before the car just so that, just so that you'll touch their heads. And I said, but, but don't worry, just thank you for coming. Be careful now as you drive into, into the wilderness, basically. It's crazy out there. It's no lights and potholes the size of VW bugs. I mean, you really need God to be with you if you go into the country at nighttime. And they're God driving 100 kilometers. And, and all, they, they don't think about anything, but, but thank you for coming. Thank you. They're saying, thank you. They're kissing my hand. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the Bible. Who cares about the heat and the sweat and the this when you get to help people that are so hungry and they heard faith for the first time, some of them in their entire life. So what are we doing? Because I don't want them to feel disconnected. I said, Lord, how do I, I don't want to, I don't want to promise too much and then not be able to commit. I said, what do I do, Lord? He said, he's actually spoke to me through Taylor and he said, write a newsletter every three months and I'll give you a word for them. Write that newsletter. Most of them don't have CD players any kind of digital, so they can't download stuff. They can't watch us. So we're going to send a newsletter. They're going to print it and pass it out to all those pastors. Every three months, I'm going to pray. God said, I'm going to give you a word for them every three months so that they feel connected to you. And then I heard the Holy Ghost say, and I confirmed it with Matthew. He said, he said don't send CDs because they can't play them. He said, don't send USB sticks because they have nothing to play them on. Dad, Dad Hagen said, Jesus told him once that the written word was the greatest way to get the gospel out because no matter where you are in the world, you can read even if you don't have a circuit or a button or, or, or an outlet to plug it in. So I, I, so the Lord said, send them, send all the sons of Africa. Once you get all their names and you know that first group, he said, send all of them a Kenneth Hagin book every three months with the newsletter because I haven't written books yet. So I'm going to send him. So we're going to send how to be led by the spirit. We're going to send the dominion, the, the triumphant church and the believer's authority and all these books that have changed my life. And we're going to buy them and ship them with the, with the newsletter every three months. And we're going to feed them yes. the word and give them a fishing rod instead of a fish. And then I said, I denounced it publicly. So I'm on the hook now, but I heard the Lord say, say it. I said, Lord, are you sure? He said, say it. 
So I put it on record and I said, all of you, I said, I'm not here to give you money and I'm not your bank because that's what they look at us like we're rich, right? I said, but I could give you $1,000, Pastor. And I said, now what would you do with that? Well, you'd pay your bills, you'd have some fun, you'd you know, maybe have extra gas or clothes or whatever. I said, in a few months, that money's gone. I said, there's nothing to show for it. I said, but what I can do instead of giving you $1,000 is I can take that money and I can buy you a brand new iPad. And I said, I'm going to download an entire Bible school on that iPad. Hundreds and hundreds of sermons of Dad Hagen, Pastor Nancy, Dr. Dufresne, myself, Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Savelle. Uh, I'm going to, I mean, hundreds. We already have all the, all the materials ready. Somebody gave us, a, some minister gave me a thing. I had one before, but I've got even a better one now. Sermons by Kenneth Hagen that were never published. Videos that have never been seen. They're not available to the public. And he gave me hundreds of them. A whole library that you can't even buy. And so I said, I'm going to download all of this on an iPad, solar-powered iPads, so that no matter where you are, you got the sun. We all know you got the sun here. <laughs> My God, just keep it out for 30 seconds in the sun, that charge 100%. The sun's so hot. And I said, and what, what I'm going to do is instead of giving you money, I'm going to give you spiritual food. Yes. And I said, you'll have enough study material until Jesus comes back in the rapture. And, and I said, now, you, when you write your name down, you've got to be faithful. You don't get this iPad just because you show up once. I said, you've got to be faithful, and you've got to submit to Pastor Matthew, because he's going to have to correct some of you. Some of you are crazy in your thinking. He's going to have to correct you. But if you stay faithful and you don't get offended, I said, my, the spirit that is on me that came from Dr. Dufresne, that came from Lester Summerall and Dad Hagen, and then went all the way back to Wigglesworth, I said, that DNA deposit will go into you, and this teaching will change your life, and we're going to raise you up an army. We're going to raise up an army. And we're going to see a revival in Africa, I'm telling you. So we've committed those iPads. I didn't give them a date. I said, it's going to cost probably $100,000 to do that. I said, I'm going to have to raise the money over time and use my faith. But I said, we are committed to being your Bible school and being your impartation. So it was just like a... Amen. Hallelujah. 2023, 18 to 23, five years, God trained Matthew on this soil. And then the Lord said, in the next five years, train him on that soil, which means his preparation for the next five years to raise up this army of ministers and get them trained because they don't know much. And you can't go against the devil when you don't know much. And when you're going to witch doctors, you can't do that. So God spoke to me. He said, five years is I'm going to train them there through Pastor Matthew, through you, through other ministers. And then he said, and what was the date on the letter that John Lake wrote? November 1928. November 1928, he said, I dropped the mantle. And he said, 100 years from that time, that mantle will come into full manifestation. And he said, 2028, there's going to be, and he did this with his hand. I saw Jesus. He did this with his hand. He said, Africa is going to explode. He said, but they can't, if they explode now, they'll die. You can't go against witchcraft with what they know. They'll kill you. They'd, I, they can't kill me, but they'll kill these ministers. They don't understand enough. And we're dealing with darkness there, like on another level darkness. But he said, you train them in the words of faith and dominion for five years and raise me an army. And he said in 2028, a hundred year anniversary from when John Lake let that assignment go. You've picked it up, but a hundred years now will have come through to fruition. And he said in 2028, Africa will explode. And so I, I prophesied that. I told them that. I said the greatest revival this nation. I mean, I'm, I'm stepping out by faith by saying that, brother. Because in the natural, there's nothing... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But I said, I prophesied it. I said, you mark my words, the greatest revival Liberia has ever seen. 
is going to come through this group of ministers. God is doing something special in this land. I have no idea why he picked me, but he did. And I said, and he's picked you and we're going to do it together. And we're going to see a move of God in Africa. And they are in a hundred percent. They're in. Praise God. Just to get Africans to work with Africans is the first major challenge. And then to get them to not use witchcraft is another major challenge. You don't understand what we're dealing with there. What you take for granted is they don't even have the foundation of. So this was a miracle that they came together and worked with each other. First miracle. And we're going to see it come to pass. So Heavenly Father, I didn't expect to do all of that, but I thank you, Holy Ghost. It's important because of the, the magnitude of what has just occurred and the wonder of what you're going to do in the future and the precious ministers and Pastor Matthew and Precious and, and the wonderful hearts that they have and the hunger that they have. Lord, Africa is ripe for a revival. But Lord, we must be trained. They must be taught because Lord, revivals don't just happen without much praying and without much preparation because the devil tries to stand up in a revival to try to destroy it and they must know the word and they must understand how to move with the Holy Ghost and love each other and understand the power of unity. And Lord, you're teaching them. And this, this congregation, Father, I don't know if they really understand what I've been saying tonight fully because they just look at it like me, Pastor Craig's ministry in Africa. No, Father, if they're a member of Promise of Life, if they're sitting in the chair tonight as a member of this church, they are a part of this great African mission. They are a part of the Sons of Africa. They are a part of the first church we've planted there. Father, the people sitting here and watching at home, if they're a member of this church and they bring their supply of financial supply and prayer support for this ministry, they are a part of this mission. Even though they didn't go and maybe they didn't even pray for me while I was there, but they are still a part of it because they're a member of this church. And as a member of this church, they partake in what this church does internationally. And Lord, I'm here to report to them that we had a smashing success we had a great, great victory of unity amongst these pastors and the work officially now on the continent of Africa has started. The flag is, flag is planted, the candlestick has been set and we now occupy a place in the spirit on two fronts, local church and a ministerial organization. And Lord, I'm humbled and I'm so grateful for the prayer support, for the financial support, and Lord, for the people that you are raising up. You're gonna raise up an army and there's gonna be a move of God. I saw the dead being raised. I saw arms growing out. I saw people with no eyes and eyeballs coming back. I saw the Africans laying hands on them with simple childlike faith and the power of God, the miracle working power flowing like a tsunami. I saw it in the spirit and you told me, Lord, that's the revival that's coming in 2028 and beyond. And Lord, we have a season now to train and to prepare and to pray. And I thank you. We have started the first year. This is year one of five. And we have had a tremendous success. And I thank you for it. I thank the people for their support and their prayers. And I'm here to report back to them. It is a good land. It is a good land. <laughs> and we are well able to take it. Let us go up at once. Their defense has departed from them and they are bred for us. We can go up at once and take this land. So I come back as a, as a spy and as a planter and I give a good report, a report of faith that it is good, it is well in Africa and it will grow and it will increase in the mighty name of Jesus. And I give you praise. Hallelujah. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.